0: Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Beer and Biceps with me, Matt Smith, and that's it because um, I've now moved to Nottingham and Todd lives in Watford, so podcasts are not as easy to do. I'm sure there's a way around it, but um, neither of us could be asked to learn it. Um, Todd was also not excited about the idea of living in my shed and only coming out for podcasts every month, so um, I've had to deal with that, Um, but I'm soldiering on and I will be doing a podcast on my own so you know um, i've not heard of too many successful podcasts that involve just one person but you know maybe i can be an unsuccessful one um today i will be talking about why i quit personal training um if you've been following this podcast or my blog you know that i was a personal trainer for seven years and um i quit it in 2017 to pursue my well i'm not gonna say my dream of being a fitness writer because my dream was to be a personal trainer um, but a new career path um, which is always what people say when they've been fired but I wasn't fired <laughs> um, I'll be talking about why I quit personal training um, and I will also be drinking beer to keep this quite relevant to the podcast uh, the beer I'm drinking today is uh, Deep Fake by Yeasty Boys um, it's a Vienna Lager which is a style of lager that um, was really popular um, in Austria obviously um, in sort of late 19th century, um, very early 20th century. Um, What happened was uh, England created um, pale ale um, when the Industrial Revolution started and um, they were able to change the way they uh, malted the barley or something like that. I don't really know too much. But um, they changed the way that um, beer was made and it made it a paler beer and um, Germany and Austria were very interested in this. Um, so there was, there was two two guys, German and Austrian, uh, they both went back to their home countries and the German guy uh, created, I think it was the Marzen type of beer, um, which is the sort of beer you get at Oktoberfest, which is um, it's like a lager but it's quite darkish red in colour rather than um, their Pilsner type lager. And in Austria... Um, they created the Vienna Lager, which is actually quite similar, um, not identical, but uh, yeah, quite a, a red sort of amber um, lager, um, and it was really popular, and um, they um, they kept brewing it until uh, the First World War, where um, which they lost, you know, spoilers, um, <laughs> and the Austrian brewing industry in Vienna was destroyed, which... I maintain it's probably the saddest thing to have happened in 1918, um, other than the war. Um, But the Vienna Lager style actually stayed on in Mexico, and I think uh, Portugal, um, afterwards, which is just a bit of a crazy fact. um, So it's never been brewed in Austria since, but yeah, it was very popular in Mexico. If you want to learn more, check out my article on Beer in Mexico, which covers this Pretty insane topic. Um, but anyway, so the Vienna Lager basically stopped existing everywhere except Mexico and Portugal, um, but has been brought back by craft Beer. And yeah, so we've got the Yeasty Boys, who are a New Zealand brewery, I think. And um, the beer is called Deep Fake, which um, I'm not even going to attempt to go into because, well, if you know what it is, you know what it is. Uh, so Now you've got the beer out of the way, let's talk about why I quit personal training. Um, So I decided I wanted to be a personal trainer uh, when I was about 16 or 17. Um, I was just before I went to university to do sports science and I was in Harrow College doing uh, BTEC in sports science. And um, yeah, there was a a woman who came in to do a talk about personal training. She was doing it to all the sports scientists and um, made it sound pretty cool, so um, I decided to take my fitness instructor exam. Um, I had to do uh, a few hours of well, no, it, um, it was about a month's worth of work experience first. Um, then I completed my sports science degree. Then I became a fitness instructor for a year at a private members club in uh, Baker Street, and then I became a personal trainer. Um, did my first session in the uh, private members club. Um, I only did one session there, but I still count it as a gym because I like to inflate my ego. Um, but then pretty much immediately after that, I decided to move to um, LA Fitness in Marleyburn, which no longer exists. Um, and I started off there. Um, I became self-employed for the first time ever, which was exciting and terrifying at the same time. Uh, those of you who've actually gone self-employed probably know how weird that feeling is at first, like the first time you'd decide you want to sack off work and go home and you just can that is a pretty insane feeling but also the first time you have a major expense to pay and you don't have any money because you don't have any clients is also a big moment for any self-employed person um but yeah i started off there and uh, as you'd imagine with a central london gym it was very expensive to work there um personal trainers most of them pay rent which um in London was £1,000 a month at the time, um, which I don't know, I don't know how I afforded it really, uh, especially starting out. Um, there was about 20 personal trainers all competing for um, clients and it was brutal. Um, I made some good friends there, um, but for a percentage-wise, I'd say it was about three, perc- no, three personal trainers were really nice, um, 15 were pretty bad and uh, whatever rem- remained were just goddamn awful. Uh, <laughs> it's a very, it was a very aggressive uh, sort of macho sort of environment. Um, and uh, people like me do not survive in that very well. Um, so eventually I left it and went to Harrow center where um, there was just one other trainer. There was two of us and we were paying 200 pound a month rent, which was insane. Still is insane. I can't believe we used to pay that little, but it was, um, it was really useful. And it, gave me a new lease of life. I remember, um, just after leaving LA fitness and just before getting the job at Arana's center, I probably had about two months in between. And I remember just thinking, this is not for me. I've tried it. I've given it a year. I was awful. What do I do now? And then, um, I saw that job, um, went for it and yeah, it prolonged my career for, uh, from one year through to seven years. Um, and uh, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. Um, I I did quit personal training, but that's not to say I didn't enjoy it. It's a it's a good job um, if you're uh, hardworking and good good at personal training. Um, I was certainly good at personal training. Um, I can't lie and say I was hardworking. Um, I think if we're going to identify the main two reasons why I quit personal training, it was one the money and two. I am not cut out for 6am starts. Um, I don't, I never wanted to do it. I've never enjoyed getting up early. I'm not one of those people. I may trying to think of a word that's not lazy bastard. Um, no, no, no describes me perfectly. <laughs> um, so Leisure Center was great. There was very little competition at first. Um, uh, after about a year, I think, um, two new trainers came. Um, but yeah, still when you've come from a gym where there's two, uh, 20 people fighting, let's say a customer base of 2000, only 10% of whom would ever do personal training. Um, and then you go to a gym, which also has 2000 people, but there's only two or four trainers. It, it, it's not the same. It's, um, it's not as competitive. I think more people, would hire personal trainers in LA Fitness, but in Harrow, there were so few of us that, you know, we were just cleaning up. I I was able to survive as a personal trainer there for my entire time without putting in that much work. Um, Well, that's that's not fair. I I didn't put in too much work into building my business. I put a lot of work into maintaining my clients. Like um, most of my clients stayed with me for years and I had a great time. And uh, when I left, it was really sad actually leaving. And that was the only thing I actually, well, talking to the other traders cause I like them and talking to the staff and my clients, that was it. That was all I missed. I, di- I didn't miss anything else. I, did. I remember like when I quit, um, people asked me, you know, um, do you miss it? And I just went, no, I did not miss it at all. I, I didn't regret doing it, but I certainly didn't miss it. Um, uh, I- I'd gone into, um, fitness writing, which, uh, is a much more, it's a, it's a job that suits me better really because you can do it at your own time um, and it helped me to utilize my knowledge without let's see with personal training half of it is building a business and the other half is being a personal trainer um, and with writing it is the same but the uh the ratio is different it's um with writing p- clients come to me all the time and with personal training i was going to clients um, there are some personal trainers where clients come to them but Um, for the majority it's chasing people it's um, calling up people from lists of numbers you've been given by your gym or it's um, setting up a website and you know using that to get clients or it's um, walking up to people on who are busy enjoying themselves in the gym and ruining their day by trying to talk to them (laughs) I don't know if it's easier in maybe like countries where you're more likely to talk but in Britain if you go up to a stranger on a treadmill they're probably going to scream murder or you know Um, in fact i've had several people who've just been i think the rudest people i've ever dealt with have been whilst trying to talk to them in a gym and they didn't want me to talk to them and you just got to go fair enough i would hate it if a personal trainer came up to me whilst i was in the gym uh, for two reasons one it'd be quite sad that i'd gone full circle from being the guy that got people to being in shape to being the guy that was so out of shape that people were coming to me um So, yeah, I wouldn't like that. And also, you know, fuck people talking to me. That's awful. Um, Like, you know, clipboard people, you know, I will cross the road to avoid them. I've crossed the road to avoid them more than I'd cross the road to avoid somebody coughing without putting a hand over their mouth right now. That's how much I hate it. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so. I was training people um, a decent amount um, for five years at Harrow. Um, In the last year, I remember sort of the gym rent went up, um, more trainers came in. Uh, suddenly the rent was three times what it'd been when I started. And there were five times as many personal trainers as when I started. Um, so what I noticed was that rent was going up. The competition for clients was going up, but the the, the amount of people using the gym was not going up. So if you're an eco Economist or something like that you can realize where, what's going to happen here um, And I sort of saw that for what it was as a sign that the only people who are going to survive Having this many more clients uh, this many more trainers coming in are the the best trainers or the hard-working most hard-working and um, I was neither of those I was a damn good trainer But I wasn't the best in terms of building a business and I was nowhere near the most hard-working So I sort of went this is only going to go one way um, and there were a couple of options for me. I could have changed my personality, become more hardworking, or I could have, um, uh, looked for alternative gyms to work at, like a, a personal trainer studio to bring my clients with me. Um, but to be honest, I was getting to the point where I was going, I'm not sure I want to do this anymore. And I just started, uh, fitness writing. Um, the reason I started that by the way was, um, one of my big clients had left me, um, not cause I'd done anything wrong. Uh, they were literally leaving the country and, um, they represented about 25% of my income. And when they left, I was like to get the same amount of money that I was on when they were there, I needed to get five more clients cause I trained them five times a week. Um, and I was like, right. The mathematics of that is to get five clients, you need to do about, 15 trial sessions and to get 15 trial sessions you need to talk to about um uh 75 people i think that's roughly the numbers might be a bit different but i think it's roughly that sort of ratio of talk to five people get one person to turn up to a trial session and or talk to 25 people get five people to turn up to a trial session out of those five people one of them will sign up it was something like that you could improve the numbers but basically that was it and I remember just going so I have to talk to 75 people and I need to do that in a week and then I went you know what fuck that is there other ways to make money so I went home I went on google I typed in ways to make money and um, one of the first things that came up was um, prostitution and I looked at myself in the mirror I just went no. Um, <laughs> uh, but then the other thing was to come up was freelance writing and I went, you know what? I enjoy writing. Let's give that a go. And um, that was, I don't know, I'd i gone from being a, a medium trainer, uh, like, well, um, you know, to um, in a sea of lots of good trainers and I was like fighting to keep myself above water on that. And I went into fitness writing and, I don't know if it was just a lucky time or what, but there was an absolute dearth of good fitness writers on who were doing freelance writing. There were lots of freelance writers and there were lots of fitness writers, but fitness fitness freelance writers there was not that many of or there were, but English wasn't their first language. So it I quickly realised that I I was going to stand out in this industry and um and I did um i I, I, was, I look at my old articles now and i was pretty bad but the competition was worse um i think i'm probably now okay like sometimes i read what i'm writing and i go did a child write this but you know for the most part i think i'm okay and i, I still think the competition is quite poor so you know it's it's going, it's going it's going really well but um yeah it's 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 nowhere near as competitive an in industry and i think that plays into my hands um uh, but I think I'm being a little bit modest, um, I've worked bloody hard at it and it um, involves a lot of research and also I get to utilise the knowledge I had from personal training in it, which is really good, I really enjoy that. Um, but yeah, so I started doing that writing and I think there was about 8 to 12 months where I did both and I started off with the writing jobs were just supplementing my personal training income. Like, you know, you'd miss a client, we go, well, I'll, I'll get a couple articles in. And then suddenly I realized that um, it had switched and suddenly the personal training job was supplementing my writing. My, tra- uh, my client number had gone down in personal training and my clients in fitness had gone up and I just went, there was a point where I was like, I'm making about the same sort of money from both jobs. But one of these jobs is making me pay 600 pounds a month and the other job is not maybe me, making me pay anything. So I just made the financial decision, right? I'm going to go out on my own on writing. And it was terrifying at first. It was more terrifying than the gym. Well, maybe not. It was a different kind of terrifying with the gym. You still felt like you were employed, like you wore a uniform. You went into a place of work. You had colleagues, even though they weren't really colleagues. And then you go into write on your own in the internet, you know, on the internet. And it's a completely different world, but it's also fantastic. It's, um, I've had some horrific moments don't get me wrong when you make your entire living from a computer and you're living basically paycheck to paycheck which I was for the first year or so um and then your computer breaks down that is a level of stress I cannot even begin to imagine and uh, I remember just absolutely panicking and um going you know like um Telling people like you know my computer's gone, my computer's gone, and they went well. What's happening? I went well. I, I tried to move the mouse, but um, the cursor's just frozen. And about four different people said to me, "Have you thought maybe the mouse is broken?" I went no. Don't be stupid. It's the computer. So I bought a new computer, put myself right in my overdraft doing it, um, and then when I set up the new computer, it turns out it was the mouse. So that was probably the most stupid financial decision I've made. Um, well, that's probably about the top ten I've made, but <laughs> it was the most. It was the biggest one that year. Um, but yeah, so eventually, yeah, I, I quit the quit the gym, and it, I've not not looked back. I think um, one of the things about being a personal trainer that enticed me when I was lit, when I was younger was the idea that you'd be your own boss, you'd answer to no one, you'd make loads of money, you'd uh, you know um, you'd be training nothing but bikini models which um you know and uh, you'd be driving a sports car and you'd be walking around with a rolex and you'd be massively in shape and um none of that was really true i mean i love my clients i don't think any of them would call themselves a bikini model um except bruce that guy was amazing <laughs> um but yeah uh, you're not your own boss because your clients are your boss you've got more bosses than anyone else really because you know the moment that that hour starts they are employing you and it's important that a personal trainer realizes that um some do, some personal trainers do make a lot of money and when i was at my peak i was i probably was making a decent amount of money but um there are also a lot of outgoings and your money fluctuates some months you're, well unless you're a really good trainer really good trainers are always making good money um really hardworking trainers are always making good money most trainers though are not and it fluctuates and you'll have months where your income was almost nothing and then you'd have months where you were working so hard that you'd wish you almost wish that clients would cancel and that's a bad place to be in. um yeah and i never got the watch or the sports car either so yeah um there's a lot of things that we nobody sold that to me um that was just the idea i had of them i think <laughs> um, the media sold that image and I, I guess they still do but it certainly is not the reality and i guess that maybe a lot of jobs that are seen as glamorous probably aren't as well except maybe movie star i imagine their lives are pretty sweet um yeah i uh, i certainly don't miss it um i miss my clients they were great but no, that's about it um so yeah hopefully that's given you an idea of um why i quit personal training that's not a insults of the industry i think it's a great industry with loads of good people in it um i also think the entire system's broken and nobody's trying to fix it and i also think that um the register of exercise professionals is fucking useless as a company but that's a topic for another day so um i thought i'd finish this podcast with some answering some questions from the uh beer and biceps fan base um the first one's from a mr t davis and it says uh what happened to Todd? Where is Todd? Why can't Todd do the podcast? Fuck you, Matt. Okay, that's a great question, um, T. Davis. Um, Todd is not here. Um, he doesn't want to be travelling up to Nottingham. And, uh, you know, he's probably doing a better podcast with you know a much sexier podcast host. And probably just looking down and going, how could I ever waste my time with that, Matt? And... Okay, move on, Matt. Come on. All right. The second question is from Martha in Scunthorpe. And she says, uh, what will beer and biceps be like in the future? Um, Well, I don't know, to be honest. I don't know if I will do this podcast and then listen to it, hate it, delete it. And nobody will ever hear it. I don't know if I will do it, stick it on. One person will listen to it. They'll tell me to piss off and I'll never do it again. I don't know if it will blow up and I'll do... Hundreds and hundreds of them. Um, I quite like the format of um, addressing a more open-ended conversation, like I did with this, rather than trying to teach you guys pe- uh, stuff because you know it's very difficult to do that with one person. Um, but you know, who knows? i also the 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 website itself. I've put loads of effort into recently. I've published about sixty articles since um, January. Um, so that I'm really putting a lot of effort into. Um, in fact, I'm doing this podcast now because I literally cannot type another word this week because it's driving me insane. Um, so yeah. And, um, possibly doing YouTube, although there's two issues with that one, there is already a YouTube channel called beer biceps, which is run by an Indian personal trainer. Um, and has 2.5 million subscribers, which I think if my YouTube channel has 12 subscribers, so I'm not a hundred sure I want to get into some sort of competition with him. Uh, the other reason is um, I've been in lockdown now for what, five weeks and uh, my hair, Oh God, my hair has grown like it is wild it is it should not be on screen basically. So um, after the uh, I've been sheared and the I'm not going to call it hair anymore. The fur, the wool, has been taken and placed in some kind of, I don't know, blanket or something. like I don't know what they do with that amount of hair. Then maybe I'll do it. Um, but Let's move on to the next question. Um, it's from uh, Johan in Dublin. And it says, um, is this just a cheap way to give out information? You don't actually have any fans and we're all made up. Um, great question, Johan. I'm... I don't really know how to answer that, uh, but how's Dublin? And the final question is from Paul in Dunstable and it says, uh, how do I stop the voices? Um, that's a great question. Um, I would recommend probably a Vermont style IPA or maybe even a Belgian Saison. Uh, great beers, um, really good for stopping of voices. Um, and also really, really good way to forget that you're in Dunstable. Um, cool. So that's, um, That's four questions from Thomas Davis, um, Martha, Johan in Dublin and Paul in Dunstable with those amazing voices. Um, I hope you guys have enjoyed this podcast um, and it will be interesting to know whether I'm drunk enough to press publish at the end of it. Uh, Have a good day.